Hey, sophisticated spectators. Want to stay loud, laced, and locked in to Beyond the Bleachers? Our brand new website, beyondthebleacherspodcast.com, has links for every streaming platform where you can listen to new episodes every Monday, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at beyondthebleachers underscore. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. The upsets keep on coming. So, Joss, how are you hanging in there this week? Oh, man. It's been crazy. It's been crazy since the start of the season. You know, I think that the upsets started to die down a little bit, but they're back up again. And I just can't wait to talk about them. There's so many but, you know, we're going to talk about it later on in the pod. But I've been great watching too much basketball, but it's so wonderful to do. <laughs> well, Maryland's win streak has come to an end. Before I talk about that, I want to rewind it a little bit to February 21st. We played Rutgers University and won a score of 81 to 62. That is one of those classic games that I was talking about where if everybody shares the ball, if there is even contribution on all sides, that you're going to find great success. And so this was an example of a game where everybody did their job and we had a great outcome. Obviously, a great win for the Terps. There were five players in double digits. I can't go without shouting out the star, Cheyenne Sellers, who finished with 38 minutes, 21 points, was 6 for 11 from the field, and also gave 10 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 block, 2 steals. She's still flirting around with a triple-double. But also, Brie McDaniel contributed 13 points, Brene Alexander had 12 points, Jakia Brown-Turner had 11 points, and Allie Kubek contributed 16 points. So we see what happens when we get everybody involved, everybody, even the players on the bench are scoring. That is what we need for Maryland to be successful. Now, on the other hand, we did lose today to Ohio State, a score of 66 to 79. Not really surprised, though. I talked about Ohio State last week, number two in the nation. This is also a Big Ten game one of the last games of the season. And so I'm not really shocked. We only played seven players, six players scored, and our star really struggled. Cheyenne Sellers only had seven points this game. It's just one of those games. You know, we do our best. We clearly held Ohio State to 79 points, which isn't bad. But at the end of the day, they're the number two team in the nation. I don't, I didn't necessarily go in expecting them to win. It would have been nice if we did. But hard-fought effort, can't be mad, but it's the number two team in the nation. Yeah, I mean, number two team in the nation, what do you expect? But also, they played better than, you know, was ex- was it you know, maybe intended or expected from a lot of commentators, maybe. So I'm happy for that. There's going to be games where Cheyenne can't do it all, all the time. You know, like she's sure. a human being, and she's a young person. So... I, it's too much to put on her, and I'm pretty sure the team knows that too. And it's just going to be those days where, unfortunately, yeah, you might not play your best game, but you just touch yourself off, 
get in the gym and lace up and, and try again, you know? So I know your ladies have been on this up and down, like roller coaster ride all season long. I hope that they feel good with what they've been doing and they just continue to work on themselves because that's really all that you can do now at this point. But moving on over to uh, the Gamecocks, Camilla actually gets a day off. So talk about some people that need days off right now. You know, it's later on in the season at the end, basically for a lot of us. And now we're finally starting to see, you know, these top players, some of them get injured, <laughs> cough, cough, Stanford, Kimberly, and then others, you know, uh, needing some rest because of a Camilla who was out there in Brazil, just flying back and forth, playing basketball every day, going day. Dawn is like, finally, I'm ready. She just sit her out for a game. And she says she might sit her out for another one uh, that has happening on Sunday, uh, September 20th, uh, well, September, February 25th as well. but. The beautiful thing about my Gamecocks is that there is no stop in production. Undefeated, 26-0, let's go. So what I love about this team on offense is how we share the ball. What I don't like about this team sometimes on offense is that we turn the ball over. (laughs) So this past Tuesday, February 22nd, the Gamecocks played Alabama at home, and we took care of home court. Okay, all without our center, Camilla, down low. I mean, that is impressive to me because they've been showing us that they can do it, but it's just so much just sweeter to see it happen in action. And okay, you know, who stepped in for Camilla? None other than Swatkins. Okay, Swatkins came to play. That's her new name now. I I didn't coin it. I wish I did because that's phenomenal, but I'm definitely going to be saying it throughout this highlight. Anyway, I've been talking about how Ashley Watkins has been so impressive this season. So you know when Camilla is out, Watkins is in, and she can hit you with a double-double too, okay? One of my highlights was this smooth curl cut to the foul line, extended pull-up jumper she had this past uh, you know, Thursday, and it was just money. Watkins is a great shooter. And pretty much every time she takes a mid-range shot, I feel like it's going in. I don't know about you, Sam, but she's a sharpshooter. If she adds a three-pointer to her arsenal, she will be an even bigger threat, a huge problem. You also know she's going to take you to the Block City on D. So, you know, it's she's a well-rounded player, and I'm pretty sure we're going to see her in the W when that time comes because the homegirl is only a sophomore. She finished the game with 14 points, 10 rebounds, and 3 blocks. However, she wasn't the only one taking Alabama to Block City, okay? We talked about how deep South Carolina's bench is, and Dawn shows us that all the time. I love when Sakima Walker gets in the game because she's so clutch. You know, she's no slouch at all. She's a 6'5 senior center, transferred from Northwest Florida State, if y'all don't remember. You know, if y'all my sophisticated uh, spectators forgot, y'all need to remember her name. She joined Swatkins in the Block City fr- uh, frenzy all in one play. I think she got like three blocks in one play, <laughs> like back to back to back. It's crazy. She had three blocks, three great rebounds, and an assist to finish the game that, you know, was uh, she was able to do in 18 minutes of play. And this is the most I think she's probably played all season. So I was really happy to see her out there. I would have loved for her to get some shots to go, but, you know, her defense was dominating. 
you know, and also last but not least, Tessa Johnson, the 6'1 freshman out of Albertville, Minnesota, was in her bag, okay? Her length, her defense, her three-point shooting kept her in the game, seeing good minutes this game. I'm proud of her coming alive this game, contributing to the score in a big way. She played 22 minutes and finished with 12 points, four rebounds, three steals, and an assist. She was balling. Love to see the freshman shine. Okay. And also breezy, not too many threesies, but that jumper is true. Okay. She finished with 13 points, one rebound and one block. The final score was 72 to 44. Congratulations on the eighth SEC win. Dawn doesn't think that, you know, they are a dynasty yet because when she looks at Pat Summit, she's like, yeah, we're not there yet, but I think we're well on our way. I love that Dawn is humble enough to say that she doesn't think they're a dynasty yet because everybody else is like, um, you're definitely giving dynasty status. You know, somebody's got to be humble. Dawn has always been that kind of coach. I love listening to her. I've been honestly going into all these different like interviews that I've listened to of the young ladies talk about how Dawn is just this stand up woman. Uh, We're going to talk about it later on, I'm sure, in uh, the podcast season about Asia Wilson's book, Dear Black Girls. She talks a lot about Dawn Staley in that book. And, you know, Dawn is just not only is she a great coach, she's a great mentor to these young ladies coming up and hopefully possibly moving on to whatever they decide to do, whatever their journeys are. So I love when Dawn is just like, yeah, we're all right. We could just still do better. Or, you know, yeah, we won that game, but the turnovers, you know, (laughs) she's always looking at like how to get them better. But I think she tells them low key and, and like the huddles, like when they're really out here balling on them, but she won't ever let us know. So we're going to get into more basketball, but on a sort of lower level. So, you know, Sam has talked about developmental leagues and how we need that for the W for these players going into the W. But we're starting to see some leagues popping up uh, for these younger players moving from high school and going on over to the big stage of the NCAA. And I absolutely love to see it, especially when we're talking about women's basketball. That seems to be the big fad now. Is it trendy? Sure. But will it always be around and has it been around? Absolutely. I'm talking about overtime select. I don't know if uh, our sophisticated spectators has ever followed the page on IG, but I've been a big, big fan of the page. And I always like to watch it and see like what new uh, players are coming or up and coming and who's like, you know, the big to do right now that's possibly looking at going into college next year and where they're going to, uh, you know, decide to commit. And Overtime Select has, you know, announced that they're the new elite league uh, for high school girls basketball. Sam, have you heard about it? How do you feel about it? Are you excited about it? Let me know what you think. First, I love that you're taking initiative and in running this section of the podcast episode. <laughs> oh my god! I love how you introduce things. <laughs> Rare form. But I think it's... A, <laughs> don't expect this next week, people. <laughs> Absolutely not. But I think it's... A, <laughs> I think Overtime Select is a great idea. A lot of times, 
when you're thinking about professional and college level, you feel sometimes like those players are not attainable, like that the level of connection that you have to these people, like you want to eventually get to that level. But Mm -hmm. while you're still building your way to that level, it's almost like those, the people on that level are untouchable. And so I love seeing that we're starting really from the ground, you know, high school is really when you start to get serious about your craft, serious about your sport. And most people that play at the college level will say that they play very competitively in high school. And I Mm -hmm. like the idea of some of the professional and college players that they have connected to Overtime Select. Brianna Stewart, Zaya Cook, Haley Jones, Nafisa Collier, all from the WNBA. Flage Johnson from LSU and WNBA retiree and legend Simone Augustus. Those are huge mm-hmm. names that you are putting at the forefront saying, we want to have a connection to these high school players because they are the future of women's basketball. I know you talked about women's basketball being a fad, but it can stay a fad as long as it continues to grow, as long as the word continues to get out there, as long as people are still watching because it deserves attention. Call it a fad for as long as you want. Continue to call it a fad until the end of time. Because when you can get people on statuses like Brianna Stewart to come down and connect with people on a high school level, that is a big deal. And that is something that is hard to attain. But I think something that we have not seen very often in the women's basketball side. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. I'm saying that as Trini. I'm just saying that as far as like on a the major scale, on a commercial scale. But honestly, when I was growing up and even when I was actively playing basketball, I remember those girls game, the women's games. Well, you know, girls games, I guess, since it's not college yet. But the girls games used to be just as packed as, packed as the boys. You know, they would come and see, they like to see the girls that actually could ball, you know, and like, we're all about their craft, like you mentioned so eloquently before, and really serious about it. They wanted to go see those games. And even for these players that, you know, might be in areas where, you know, basketball is not the main thing might it might be academics and they want to be you know they want to be known and noticed you know they have to go into places that they will be and now that there's just more opportunities and avenues for that to happen I can only see things going up from here and I love that there's an actual space for it so uh after reading an article on ESPN around the whole uh, the whole announcement Basically, it went down to say that, you know, the game has changed and we already know that. And and they said that the driver behind that change has been overtime. So if you guys aren't familiar, our sophisticated spectators aren't familiar, overtime is a social media outlet and sports uh, league disruptor. So it started in 2016 as a social media company focused on short form content featuring, you know, top high school uh, athletes. And it just blew up from there. And I wanted to say that in this article that is on at ESPN, it was actually written by Sarah Spain. What I was a little upset about and not really excited to see was that it's not mentioning one of the players. One of she's actually a former Terp. She played in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is right. We already know uh, Chloe Pavlik. She was the founder and, and the woman who built Overtime WBB. So the women's side of it, and that's honestly how mm-hmm. I really started to find out about the whole entire 
page at all or the handle because I've seen it. I, I get a lot of my stuff on IG. I know Sam has talked about how I'm terrible with Twitter. I still, I, you know, I got a new phone, did it not update or add Twitter back, whatever y'all call it now, X. But so that's where I saw, that's where I found Chloe and all of her commentary. And she really would get deep down into the nitty gritty of who we needed to know, who was like the big it young player up and coming, coming in and um, all these one-on-one queen of the court challenges that they have going on. I know uh, Jersey Robinson is the new it girl out here now that's uh, she's from Phoenix, Arizona, but she plays at the Sierra Leone um, Sierra, Sierra, Sierra Cannon High School. And we already know about that because the the great Brawny went there. Uh, Bryce now, uh, Bryce James goes Juju there. Juju Watkins. Juju, <laughs> a Juju, no other than Juju Watkins. And we all know that daggone name now. So, you know, and this is how also I'm going to, uh, talk about Jada Williams, who is at Arizona, but who was who uh, didn't commit to uh, UCLA, but she was a big name that was up and coming on this over overtime WBB uh, page on IG. So I am so disheartened to know and to see that that's just not really up there. And and if you were to go on Chloe's page on IG, uh, she does still have that. She's a former uh, and founder of the website, uh, of not the website, but of the page and of the social media platform. I just want to say here, you know, Sam and I, we love you, girl. If you want to come and get on the pod and talk more about the things you can, I don't know. I know there's contracts and all that stuff, and I'm sure you probably signed NDAs and all that, but we would love to talk more about what you did, what you created, because I don't think enough of us have given you your flowers. And I know a lot of the younger, you know, generations, the younger kids that are in that age group and that like, you know, ninth grade to 12th grade um, for high school know all about you. And they got really excited. I would always see how she would post, you know, these big games and post up with uh, the kids that like, you know, spotted her in the crowd or in the audience of all these major games that we like to go watch. So, you know, I saw you and I was really intrigued too. And I'm like, wow, this is great that we have an actual you know, almost like an ambassador for these young ladies coming up and to keep us informed of who's balling out in, in the girl on the girl side of basketball. So I definitely wanted to make sure that, you know, it would have been remiss of me or of both of us not to really mention her um, and when we're talking around this new league that's coming about. But yeah, like you said, we got some heavy hitters from the WNBA. What do you think this is going to actually do? I just have this question for you, Sam. What do you think this is going to do for the W and for even for uh, these different schools um, that are going to be accepting these young ladies coming into uh, college. I think it's going to do a few different things. First and foremost, we talked a few episodes ago about the one and done rule and whether the W is, I guess, kind of like a candidate for that. How would it look if the W were to um, kind of switch over to that? And I think that Mm -hmm. this is something that makes the game younger. You know, we talked about the disconnect between the adolescent audience and the WNBA due to the fact that players have to be at least 21 before they can enter into the league. And Mm -hmm. so having a league that is highly publicized, highly talked about doing this competition, sort of like bracket style tournament, um, it's going to be over four weeks in one central location in Atlanta, Georgia. So to have all of that energy in one place where for four weeks out of the summer, it's going to be high intensity, high level gameplay, 
between players that are going to translate into NCAA, into the W, is such a big deal. It helps to bridge the gap between the fame that comes in the W and NCAA. Now that we're seeing NCAA um, getting more play on uh, platforms like ESPN, we also talked in a previous episode about the new deal that NCAA has with ESPN and how it specifically benefits women's basketball. And so now you're seeing deals on the W side, deals on the NCAA side. And now with this new high school league, it just further pushes the agenda that women's basketball does not start at college. Women's basketball does Mm -hmm. not start once you go pro or once you go overseas. It's something that these girls, a lot of them have been working towards since high school and even before high school. So it just helps to bridge the gap between where you see people start, their games start to transform and they start to become more of that professional to then when they actually get into the W, you're now seeing that game now, instead of over the course of four years, now you're seeing it over the course of eight years because you've seen them for four years in high school and then four years of college. I think the other thing that it does is when we think about NCAA now, we can't think about it without thinking of NIL. And a lot of players are coming in knowing if I'm top in the country going into NCAA, I have the chance to make money that I never even thought like five years ago that I could make. You know, I had to wait for the W for that to happen. And even when you got to the W, there were a select few, you know, the Candaces, Mm -hmm. the Dianas, the Asia Wilsons that were going to make that level of money, you know? And so now you're seeing that on the college level. And so how do we prepare our high schoolers for not only the level of money or financial reimbursement that you're going to get, but also the the fame and the notoriety that comes with that. You know, a lot of these girls are coming from schools that we don't see on the TV. Yeah, we hear about it, but we live on the East Coast. Like, I don't get to see Sierra Canyon play unless they're on a highlight reel on ESPN. Now we're seeing those girls that are going to be in Atlanta this summer. And so once again, not only does it bring that connection, but it also prepares them for when you get to college, it's only going to, the fame is only going to get heightened. The opportunities are only going to get heightened. When you get to the W, it's going to get even more heightened. And so it really prepares them at a young age for this is what your path could look like. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say it better myself. Absolutely. And this is just going to open up more opportunities, like you were saying, for these NIL deals. And we can start it so much earlier. You know, this is a lot of these kids are getting full scholarships for basketball, but now they can possibly help their financial status right now. You know, that could mean so much for these young ladies and their families. Now it's just giving you a different level of discipline. You know, you got the Juju Watkins coming in that is already taking the NCAA by storm. And we were talking about how that one and done can apply to her. You know, I could just see the floodgates opening. This is definitely going to open Pandora's box where we're going to start to see so much more talent coming through that there might they might already be pro ready because of all these platforms that are available for them, these opportunities that they can go forth and and blossom truly and not only just financially, but as a person as well. They are learning how to be their uh how to build their brand, how to market themselves in the best light, even how to speak to the media, how to how to present themselves. All of this is kind of a lot, you know, so you definitely need advisement, especially from 
women that are already that have already made it to the W, that have already made it to that professional true pro level to then advise you. That's so big. That's so major to me. I think it makes so much sense. Uh, Stewie went on record in the article to say to ESPN that uh, she was excited to be a part of something that is inspiring and empowering for the next generation of the future stars. And that's really what it is. They're already stars and they are our future. So also we talked about engagement. That was the biggest thing that we talked about in the previous the previous episode around just like engagement and learning these stories of these young kids. So now you were saying like before it was only four years. Now you have eight years of content. Now we're really growing. We're like watching these kids grow up and blossom and just get better and then become pros and professionals. I was talking up to you uh, before when we were just watching how Aaliyah Boston herself had just grown from those just little four years, just even her presence when she talks to the media. And now basically the face of the Indiana fever, if we really want to talk about it, you know, and now we're starting to see these NIL deals, these brand deals, all that is just opening up so much opportunity for these young ladies. I can't wait for this to start off. You know, they said it was going to be like a four week thing in the summer. I can't wait. We're going to start to see so much more of these ankle breaking, crazy shots, crazy blocks, insane talent coming on up and through uh, not only to the NCAA, but then oh, hopefully on over to the W in later years to come. And I'm just excited. This is just also saying, what is it? The, the bottom line for almost every company, no matter it be sports media uh, or what have you, is money, profitability. And the profit is there because they're putting money behind them. And that's why all these opportunities are coming. That just means more brand deals. That just means more kids uh, in the seats. So there's, you're hitting, like you talked about before, the different demographics. The game is getting larger and more people want to consume it. And I'm just so happy that we're seeing it on so many different levels. Speaking of Chloe Pavlik, we had to do a little bit of a deep dive to figure out what Chloe has been doing since she Mm. left Baylor last year. Chloe, where you been at, girl? But we did find that now she is a consultant for NIL and not so much Mm -hmm. NIL for NCAA, but NIL when it comes to players and how to be marketable and how to manage your money, paying your taxes, getting brand deals, going in front of the media, different things like that. And we're seeing that a lot more, you know, because like we said, these kids and young adults are being thrust into the spotlight. A lot of them have no idea how to manage themselves in an interview. They have no idea how to manage a bank account. Some of them aren't even old enough to have a bank account yet. You know, you have to be 18 in America (laughs) to have a bank account. And if you're 17 playing in college, you don't have a bank account yet. You don't have one yet. Um, They don't, they've never paid taxes before or had to file taxes on their own before. Mm. They've never had large sums of money that they had to have an accountant or a financial expert manage. Mm. They've never had to do any of things before. And now NIL has come so quickly and provided so many opportunities. And so people like Chloe and what she's doing now as an NIL consultant are so critical. And I hope that in some way she is involved with the bet behind the scenes, whether it be with overtime select directly or just in connections with some of these young players. Because as we continue to grow women's basketball, as we're getting more coverage, we're going to see more money being poured into these stars. And I would hate to see 
irresponsible spending or irresponsible managing of money, of resources, of your time and media presence and all of those things. So kudos to her for stepping out of a, I guess, traditional job role and now becoming an entrepreneur in her own right and starting a company that specializes in that because it is greatly needed, especially as we talk about now putting high school players in the spotlight. Absolutely. You know, she found the niche market. She knows that there's a need and the demand is going to just keep coming because these kids are going to just keep coming on up. You know, we're going to keep finding out about them through all different platforms, especially a social media one. And for them to just have a place that they know they can go that's been proven to work, that's been proven to be successful and to have a name and also just a, a person that closer in age to them that understands, you know, what the, the big things are going on in, in the world, especially for the youth and uh, and just how to maneuver it and how to kind of put it things in layman's terms. Because when you're talking about taxes, tax, you know, when you're talking about financial advising and experts, when you're talking about brand deals, all these different words that come into these contracts and agreements can be extremely intimidating and just confusing, you know, especially for a young kid and also for these families too, for the their guardians that are coming in, not really ever being exposed to such things. So having that guidance of a person that truly cares and you know that they've been true to this and built something from the ground up to be successful, that's just another step in the right direction. And we need more people like Chloe. So Chloe, if you want to come on the pod, I mean, we would love to have you, have you a sophisticated spectator, because clearly you are a sophisticated spectator already. Come on. But yes, I'm glad you had to do that deep dive. But it is sad that we had to do that deep dive. I get, again, somebody needs to do something uh, around what Chloe has done because she's done such a phenomenal job. But anyway, um, last but not least, I wanted to say on the whole topic, I'm just extremely happy that we're starting to see there's more eyes on the young ladies that are coming up. Um, you know, you're going to start seeing them all over the place. And once we start to see the NCAA players like a Caitlin Clark's and like the Angel Reese's um, move on over to whatever stage they decide to do, we already know that Paige Becker's decided to stay with uh, UConn, but when they're starting to move on over to the next level, I love being able to see that there's exposure from that top level and in, in mentorship going down. You know, Stewie being one of the advisors, Zaya Cook, who's fairly new, she's just a rookie last season in the W, and now to be an advisor, it's so important that we see the representation from the top of all of all types of all people, you know. Stewie is a mother now, you know, like, so her coming in and being able to give that also motherly touch to these younger kids in, in, the, in a sport that she's a pro at and at she's one of the best, you know, I think that is so important for what the future is supposed to look like and will look like for women's basketball. So I just wanted to end it off on that part right there. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Well, I mean, I know now we're going to go to my favorite section, my favorite segment of the pod, which is the unsung heroes. Oh, oh my gosh. There's been so much games. And I just quickly, before we get into it, Sam, I wanted to talk about, like, just we're not going to talk about it now because I didn't have to choose one. But there was an Indiana-Illinois game. Wild. 
listen, all of the rankings that you guys might think we have, listen, you're going to listen to this on Monday. So the new rankings might be out by then, but I can't wait to see where everybody lands before March madness, because it's insane that the last week, everybody's showing out and cutting up. Uh, Sam, who did you pick? Because there were so many games to choose from, and I know you had some challenges picking who you actually wanted to talk about. <laughs> so who was your Hung Sung hero for this time? <laughs> I did, because as you mentioned, there was Indiana and Illinois. There was Duke mm-hmm. and Syracuse. There, yes, there was, was. Right, UNC uh, and Iowa. NC State. Iowa losing was again. It? Yeah, it was crazy. I forgot who they lost to, too. It, you know, listen, Caitlin Clark can't do it all, people. She can't save the game every dag on time because what is she? A human being. And humans, we sometimes She's a human being. And Iowa ended up She's- losing to Indiana. So we're yeah. talking about all of these upsets. So I knew mm-hmm. that I had to pick an upset. Out of all of those, the one that I actually picked was mm-hmm. Princeton versus Columbia University. Princeton has been hanging on that number 25 in the nation. They are number one in the Ivy League right now. Princeton and Columbia tied to close out the Ivy regular season in 2023 with Princeton ultimately making their way into March Madness. Prior to this game, um, Princeton was 10-0 and in Ivy play and number 25 in the nation, as I mentioned, and Columbia was just in second place in the Ivies at nine and one. The two ladies to look out for were Caitlin Chen from Princeton, who was shooting a career high 37% from the three and averaging 16 points per game, which is fourth in the Ivy League. And Abby Shu from Columbia, who was averaging 20.6 points per game, which is first in Ivy League play. So I already knew just based off of the pregame introductions that this was going to be one to watch. And I was like, thank goodness I picked Mm -hmm. a good one. (laughs) So it already started off hot from the first play of the game. What happens? Princeton gets a turnover or Columbia University steal, however you want to look at it. But it led to an easy layup for Columbia in transition. I noticed that Columbia liked to push the tempo. There was this crazy half-court pass midway through the first quarter from number 10, Katie Henderson, to Abby Shue that led to an easy lay-in and a foul. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is about to get real messy right now. But in the second (laughs) quarter... Princeton went on a 7-0 run and tied the game at 22 and ended up ending the half uh, one point ahead. So Princeton was already ahead Mm. in the half. But to start the third, what does Princeton do again? They turn the ball over. And so I'm like, okay, this is already a whirlwind. We're already getting into the third quarter, and it's a whirlwind again. (laughs) (laughs) But my breakout star has to be Abby Shue with six Mm. minutes and 26 seconds left in the third quarter. She became the fourth ever Ivy League player to reach 2,000 points. She was my breakout star. Columbia University started to mess up a little bit in the fourth quarter. They were turning the ball over. They had a shot clock violation. Then they had a five-second violation for not being able to inbound the ball. But overall, Columbia dominated the game from beginning to end. My breakout star, Abby Shu, played 39 minutes, was 8 for 14 with 26 points, 4 rebounds, and 4 assists. She was 4 for 7 from 3 and 6 for 7 from the free throw line. 
she was my breakout star because not only did she hit this milestone, but she completely took over the game in the second half when it was necessary, really dug in her heels and did what needed to do, needed to be done to get the job done. And Columbia ended up winning a score of 67 to 65. Wow. Well, that was a close game still at the end, but kudos to any listen. Close game all the way to the end. These nail biter games are not good for the heart, but they're good to watch, okay? They definitely will bring you back. That is crazy. And I don't know what's happening to these young ladies that are able to just turn up after the half in the second just uh second half of the game just just completely taking over in a way because that's exactly what happened for my breakout as well so let me take you on over to arizona versus stanford who's my breakout no other than arizona that's right the arizona wildcats played stanford this past friday february 23rd and things got wild all in the second Half, okay? It's something about the second half. All I have to say is this is the season of upsets. We talked about it at the beginning of the pod. We talked about it at the beginning of the season. Number three, Stanford going down to unranked Arizona. We, I'm talking number three. Let's just make sure we let that sink in. This is top five. Number three. Anyway, we know Stanford is definitely dropping in rank, okay? No brank. No rank. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start saying for Stanford. Unfortunately, it just seems like they really suffer when Cameron Brink is not on the floor. So anyway, Arizona has definitely been challenged this season. Their record is now 15 and 12, 15 and 12. Okay. So you would think that this would have been, you know, a cakewalk for Stanford, right? And at their home court, no less, but I think not. I have to say, I love what Arizona head coach Adia, um, Adia Barnes is doing with the program out there. They don't have the numbers this season, literally only like playing seven players this game. There is no true depth on their side. You know, when the starters get tired, they just have to push themselves. So just know, you know, you have to have a great coach. You have to have great guidance. The coaching has to be top tier in order for your team and your players to pull out victories when the odds are just not in their favor, okay? Coach Barnes, according to her bio on Arizona University's Women's Basketball Athletic page, she was the 2021 WBCA Coach of the Year finalist, 2021 Naismith Coach of the Year semifinalist, 2021 AmeriCup gold medalist, one of four coaches to lead their alma mater to the title game, one of 11 coaches to play and coach in the NCAA tournament at their alma mater, the first coach since 2016 to make the Final Four in their first five seasons as a head coach, the youngest coach since 2014 to make the Final Four, the second winningest coach in school history, the second most 20 wins seasons in school history, First coach in the program history to win 20 or more games in five consecutive seasons. And last but not least, 2021 USA America persistent coach. This woman's been putting in work and I had to make sure I let her know, let all of y'all know that she's also the unsung hero in this situation here because there is no way that these ladies could find their way to win a game at this magnitude, not even in their own house, going all the way to Cali to just completely just take over the game all in the second half because mind you, they were not up. They were not up. So 
you know, this is so amazing to me. And I absolutely love that. You know, needless to say, you know, Arizona, Arizona is in good hands. Okay. Like all states. That's all state stand. Okay, anyway. This game was a good game from the tip-off. And, you know, you would have to have thought that Arizona didn't stand a chance. Like I said, I'm talking a 7-0 to zero score. Stanford being, you know, all up for all the first quarter, winning the first quarter. Stanford, you know, outscored Arizona 17-9 to nine in the first quarter. But the second quarter was all Wildcats. You know, the second quarter for the Wildcats turned up the heat. They were ready to go. They would not let up. They heightened their defense, got shots to drop, and made smart decisions offensively and successively, successfully chipped away at Stanford's lead and ended up scoring Stan, uh, outscoring Stanford by three. Even though the score was 16 points Stanford and 13 points for, for the Wildcats, they still were starting to see that they were waking up, okay? Um, so they were still down. They were only down by five at the half. So the score was 30 to 25 going into halftime. Now the third quarter is known to actually been dominated by Stanford. So in all honesty, y'all, the daggone fourth quarter was how Arizona beat Stanford. Okay, fourth quarter was all about one player. And remember I mentioned this before, that one player for the Arizona Wildcats, her name is Jada Williams, number two, 5'8 freshman guard coming out of Kansas City, Missouri. Now, this was a freshman I was excited about seeing when we talked about overtime, WBB, that Chloe Pavlich. Okay, Pavlich started. So she was one of those players that I was like, yo, this girl is a baller. I can't wait to see where she goes. She was actually supposed to commit to UCLA. So she was supposed to be up there with Kiki Rice and them and Lauren with Lauren Betts, right? But no, no, no. She decided to go on over to Coach Barnes. And we already know because her and uh, what was it? Ari McDonald, uh, Ari McDonald, rather. She was a big player, also a small player. But she went on, on to the WNBA and something about Coach Barnes Williams believed in. So she went on over and took her talent to Arizona. And finally, I'm starting to see where it all paid off. At first, you know, it was I was a bit confused by her decision because, listen, we are talking about Jada Williams here. We're talking about a highly decorated young woman. She was a 2023 McDonald's All-American. She was a 2023 Slam All-American, member of the uh, inaugural Nike Hoop Summit team in 2023, team captain of all four years of her high school, you know, named co-MVP and MVP each season of her high school career. So she was one of those players that everybody was waiting to see where she went. And the fact that she chose Arizona was crazy. So I expected great things from her no matter where she ended up. And this game, I know, gave her the redemption redemption and satisfaction that she really needed and wanted because I was so impressed. What was so impressive by this win was that it all was solidified again in the fourth quarter. She took over. She went off. Those threes wasn't, you know, hidden in the first half, but it went down for in the fourth. All I have to say was the bank was open. Had not one of those two three pointers been a, those bank shots? She had bank three pointers, and I mean one of them was a fadeaway. It was crazy. She scored over thirteen points in the fourth quarter and in the second half alone. Williams rallied her team to a victory and finished the game with twenty three points, four rebounds, two assists. And two steals, a true baller Jada, Jada Williams is, and a great, and in great shape. Okay, considering the fact that you know the Wildcats have been suffering suffering injuries, and she's been playing all the daggone uh, minutes. She played thirty seven minutes. It was a well fought game and a huge upset for Stanford, but a major win for the Wildcats. Wildcats. It was definitely a group effort. 
The Wildcats and Jada led the charge. Don't ever sleep on anyone, especially not Arizona, okay? They just came off of a triple overtime game and winning it against Washington, so definitely need to be talking about this squad, okay? Congratulations both to Coach Barnes and Jada Williams because you ladies are my unsung heroes of this week. So as we wrap up another episode, Joss, tell the people where they can find us. You know, you can find us at Beyond the Bleachers underscore on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Make sure you like, follow, comment, and join us when we go live. You can also find the links to all of our social media pages and streaming platforms at BeyondTheBleachersPodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. Until next time, stay loud, stay laced, and and stay stay locked locked in. in. Bye, Bye, y'all.